0: The Joe Pomp Show is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com altitudego Altitude Go to apply. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano and this is the Joe Pomp Show. Happy Monday. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Today, we're going to be talking about Sports Illustrated. I'm sure many of you have seen by now that Futurism published an article on Monday, November 27th, accusing Sports Illustrated of publishing articles on its own website with fake writers created by artificial intelligence. When asked by Futurism about the AI content, Sports Illustrated then deleted all of it. The story sent a shockwave through the sports world and cast a dark cloud over the once great sports media institution. And when you peel back the past few years of Sports Illustrated's business, this story, as crazy as it sounds, isn't necessarily surprising. So today's podcast will look at the fall of Sports Illustrated that has taken place over the last few years. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. Okay, so the rise and fall of Sports Illustrated is a fascinating case study. Everyone knows that Sports Illustrated is an iconic sports magazine. The company was founded in 1954, and they worked their way up to becoming the preeminent sports publication in the entire country. It was a once monthly magazine and had articles from some of the world's best sports writers. We're talking about people like Rick Riley, Jackie McMullen, Tom Verducci, and Grant Wall. And the covers of LeBron James in high school with The Chosen One, David Beckham coming to Major League Soccer, and Michael Phelps at the Olympics will literally be remembered forever, at least in my mind. I mean, those things were absolutely iconic. And when people ask me about Sports Illustrated, I think the easiest way to explain how dominant the publication was is that John F. Kennedy wrote a guest column for the magazine in 1960, while LeBron James announced his return to Cleveland in 2014 after he left Miami. I mean, that's near 60 years of just absolute dominance bookended by just some of the most important things you can think of in sports at the time. But Sports Illustrated has taken a step back over the last few years, The company has changed hands several times. They have conducted mass layoffs and hiring freezes, and they have now been accused of tricking readers with AI-generated content. Again, Futurism published an article this past week that has evidence of Sports Illustrated buying AI-generated headshots online. So in the simplest of terms, the way to explain this is that they would literally go into a website buying AI-generated headshots. These weren't real people. They were literally created by computers. Then they were matching those headshots On their website with fake names and fake writer bios with the headshots and then they were posting these ai generated articles under those writers names this was done without any disclosures that the content was ai generated and sports illustrated deleted all of the content and the writer profiles and bios when futurism started asking questions now i'm going to read you one of the examples here the writer on the sports illustrated website one of the two that they saw in the futurism article was named Drew Ortiz. Now, Drew Ortiz is obviously not a real person. He was created by artificial intelligence, and neither is his bio, that means. The bio for Drew Ortiz on Sports Illustrated's website read, Drew has spent much of his life outdoors and is excited to guide you through his never-ending list of the best products to keep you from falling to the perils of nature. Nowadays, there is rarely a weekend that goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his parents' farm. Now, to be fair, there are a couple of nuanced pieces to this. It wasn't like Sports Illustrated were using these AI figures to write cover stories or big articles that were getting shared all over the web. These were product reviews in most cases. There were other cases across other publications like Men's Health and other things like that, where they were using them to generate real content. But the important part of this is that there were no disclosures, right? And this is a little bit different from some of the other media organizations that we've seen over the years, call it the Associated Press, BuzzFeed, Gannett Newspapers. They've all been using AI-generated content for several years, some going back as far as like 2018, 2019. But again, the big difference here is that their AI-generated content always has a disclaimer. For example, for those of you who haven't seen what the Associated Press is doing, AP uses artificial intelligence to generate game previews for over 5,000 NCAA Division I men's basketball games each year, and they use it to produce recaps for all Major League Baseball affiliated Minor League Baseball games. So essentially what they're doing is they're just including a small blurb, call it a a NCAA Division I men's basketball game. You know, maybe it's not for the UNC Duke games, but at the end of the day, for a bunch of games, 5,000 games per year, they're going out and they're including just a couple sentences about the matchup, right? These are AI generated. These templates were created by AP sports editors. They go through several human and computer generated checks, and they always have a disclaimer for the readers, letting them know that this is generated by artificial intelligence, to be honest, it's pretty simple stuff. No one is expecting that much out of a game preview or recap, and it allows AP to scale its content offering while enabling the company's best writers to focus on more important stories that people actually want to read, right? Like I'd much rather an in-depth piece about something that's important rather than a game recap that most people aren't even going to read. If you're able to scale that part of your business up by using artificial intelligence, if they're a disclaimer, if it makes sense, if it's been checked by humans and computer generated, that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. No problem at all. But I think it goes without saying that creating fake profiles without a disclaimer in an attempt to deceive readers to collect additional revenue, whether it's through affiliate fees or advertising revenue, is vastly and entirely different than what the Associated Press, BuzzFeed, and Gannett newspapers are doing. This is definitely shady behavior, in my opinion, yet it shouldn't really be that much of a surprise to anyone. If you look at what's happened to Sports Illustrated over the last few years, I mean, most people could have seen this coming if you were paying attention. In 2019, Meredith Corporation, who acquired Sports Illustrated from time, sold Sports Illustrated's intellectual property to Authentic Brands Group for about $110 million. Authentic Brands Group then turned around and immediately sold the publishing rights to the Arena Group. They had a different name before called the Maven. Now they're called the Arena Group. The Arena Group paid $45 million upfront plus royalties on a 10-year deal for publishing rights, both digital and print for Sports Illustrated. So again, I know that's a little bit confusing there because there's three, four different companies and money changing hands. So the easiest way to explain it is that in 2019, Time sold Sports Illustrated to the Meredith Corporation. The Meredith Corporation then sold it to Authentic Brands Group for $110 million. So the entire publication changed hands from the Meredith Corporation to Authentic Brands Group for $110 million in 2019. Authentic Brands Group then had real no need for it because they do something entirely different with their business from a licensing perspective. So they turned around and sold the publishing rights, essentially a licensing deal for both digital and print parts of that publication, to the Arena Group on a 10-year, $45 million deal that includes royalties. Now, the easiest way to think about this is that the Arena Group isn't a traditional publisher. Their digital-first approach revolves around profit, not quality journalism. So it was no surprise to see the company make immediate changes. The Arena Group put former Los Angeles Times CEO and head publisher Ross Levinson in charge of Sports Illustrated. Ross is a media veteran with, and I quote from Fortune, a history of using contractors. And that's exactly what he did. He fired 25% of the Sports Illustrated staff just months later. Then the Wall Street Journal reported that Sports Illustrated would replace these full-time journalists with a staff of more than 200 independent contractors. Now, many of you probably know the advantages that come with using independent contractors instead of full-time employees. Not only are these part-time employees but they're paid generally very low. Most of these employees were starting at a salary of around $30,000, according to the Wall Street Journal. They also had bonuses that they could achieve based on web traffic goals. These contractors would also not receive access to healthcare or retirement benefits like full-time staff typically would. And it was clear that Sports Illustrated was now prioritizing the margins of their business over quality journalism. Of course, this caused an uproar within the company. Sports Illustrated staff responded By sending a petition to Authentic Brands Group, who was obviously licensing it to the Arena Group, and the staff of Sports Illustrated was very clear with their demands. They said, please drop the Arena Group to save Sports Illustrated. The exact quote was, the Arena Group wants to replace top journalists in the industry with a network of freelancers and bloggers while reducing or eliminating departments that have ensured that the stories we publish and produce meet the highest standards. Now, obviously, this was kind of a last-ditch effort, and when you're asking the parent company of someone who had just sold the rights to the digital and print publishing of Sports Illustrated to someone for $45 million, the chances that that letter was actually going to do anything was very small, and of course, it didn't. These changes ended up happening anyways, and Sports Illustrated has completely changed its business model over the last few years. They've drastically reduced the amount of stuff that they do on the print side. Obviously, the revenues have dropped from newsstands and print papers anyways, so that's no surprise. But they've totally changed the makeup of their content in total. Obviously, they're still doing sports. But rather than focusing on Sports Illustrated, specifically in the name brand that they have there, they've gone out and they've spent money acquiring these like micro blogging sites. One of them that's a little bit bigger, of course, is called The Spun. They have 120 hyper local fan nation sites. They paid $11 million for that. But they've acquired a bunch of other ones, too. Sports Illustrated has also tried to put their hands in virtually everything else around sports and live events. They've started a sports betting business. They have a tourism business. They have an events business. They have a hospitality business. They're opening resorts and doing all these other different things too. Now, much of that is kind of to do about nothing. It's unclear if any of that is going to work at any point in time. It's a little bit too early to make a decision on that. But most importantly, you have to remember that the Arena Group is essentially licensing the Sports Illustrated name for $4.5 million annually, right? $45 million deal upfront plus royalties, whatever. Maybe it ends up being more, but that's $4.5 million annually on a 10-year deal. And what that means is that they've placed a larger focus on their digital footprint through blogs and other sports betting content and things like that, but it's forced them to focus on profit, right? They're reducing expenses and they're trying to increase website traffic. That's where these blog sites come in handy. Now, there are certainly still some good writers at Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer, Connor Orr, Pat Forty, Tom Verducci, Jimmy Trania, all these people come to mind. They're great. And transitioning a print magazine into the digital world was never going to be easy. Like, Sports Illustrated was iconic. The fact that they didn't have this huge digital footprint made it just that much harder to adapt in this new digital world that we're in. But this artificial generated fiasco is something that is only going to become more common in my mind. It shocked everyone on the internet when it got announced on Monday. My tweet alone had millions of impressions and people couldn't believe what was happening. But this is something that people need to get used to. As profit-driven private equity groups continue to buy up legacy media brands, these publications will transition from a focus on original reporting to maximizing margins. Again, the arena group does not have its roots in journalism. They don't care about original reporting. They don't care about the iconic stories that made Sports Illustrated amazing. All they care about is making money. Social media has already had a profound impact on the industry in sports. If you think about ESPN, two of their highest paid journalists or whatever you want to call them, Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski get paid nearly $10 million a year essentially to tweet news out faster than anyone else. And artificial intelligence will end up playing a role in everything in sports, from journalism to the way we watch events, including commentary and visuals. One of the best examples of this was I think it was the Masters last year. They had artificial intelligence commentary for every shot on the course. Obviously, this wasn't being used on the main broadcast, but on the app, you could see it. And people were tweeting out and saying, oh, this sucks. It's so robotic. It's not any cool. This is a a really bleak future. I don't want this in sports. And like the thing I remind everyone is that's the first product version of this, right? It's going to continue to get better. It learns from itself. And these things are going to get better and better and better over time. But I think the impact of artificial intelligence in sports is going to be a little bit different than some people might believe. Now, this stuff can be a really good thing if used properly, myself included. I think the example with the Associated Press that I gave earlier is a great thing. It gives the ability of people to read more things online and get the content that they need while allowing AP to scale things up and giving people a disclaimer, letting them know, hey, this was generated by artificial intelligence. But this can also be a really bad thing if used poorly. I think the example here that we've given with Sports Illustrated is a bad thing, right? Trying to trick people into buying products through artificial intelligence related articles or generated articles is not good. You're trying to deceive people. There's no disclaimer. And essentially what you're doing is you're maximizing profit over the reputation of your publication. But more importantly, this is going to place a premium on the human touch, just like you automatically dismiss a picture as art once you find out it was generated by artificial intelligence, is the same way that you will think about writing in sports, commentary in sports, visual editing in sports, and graphic design in sports. Artificial intelligence will eventually get so good that it will be difficult to recognize what is what. But it's important that we don't lose the things that make sports special. I literally used to run home to read Sports Illustrated when I was a kid. The company has employed some of the world's best sports writers, and their covers are iconic pieces of sports history. Yet just a decade later, it's not entirely clear what purpose the company now serves. This is something that's only going to get more paramount in sports, So I'll make sure to keep you guys updated as more things come out on the AI side, whether it's, again, commentary, visuals, graphic design, writing, whatever it is. This is a bad example of how to use AI in sports. I hope Sports Illustrated is able to take a turn for the better. This was once an iconic publication within the sports industry. And I hope, I hope that they're able to get back there. That's it for today, though, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please just share it with a friend. Otherwise, have a great day and we'll talk on Wednesday.